the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. I am your host, Adil Royster, joined as always by Dave Early. And Dave, I got to say, it's I got to eat a little bit of crow right now. Will, will you allow me to do something real quick? No, I, I'll try some too. Yeah, <laughs> okay. So I am on record on this podcast, on X, on our Slack channel, as stating that the hierarchy of NBA centers goes thusly. My personal opinion is Jokic 1, Embiid 1A. That being said, I got to eat some crow tonight and just say, you know what? Okay. JoJo got him this time. Okay. Uh, there it is. I'm, I'm admitting to it. He got him this time. And it was a great performance by JoJo as well as Nikola Jokic. They were both stellar in their performance on Tuesday night. But Embiid got the better of him. This is a hard piece of crow to swallow. I'm choking on feathers right now. And I don't appreciate <laughs> it. So I just hope that everybody listening out there will get off my back about this for once. I admit it. JoJo got him one. Okay. But... My hierarchy remains the same, mainly because Jokic has a championship and I've yet to see Embiid do it for a full playoff run. And I think that's fair. It's fair. See, okay, now that we've established that, let's talk about Tuesday night's game. Denver at the crib in South Philly. Uh, Sixers very victorious, uh, 126-121. The aforementioned Joel Embiid with 41, seven rebounds and 10 assists. So his his 30 plus 10 plus streak of points and rebounds is over. But Dave, does this mean that we're going to get the beginnings of the 40 and 10 points assists streak now? Oh, gosh, I don't want that interfering with any of our. Uh, he's limping. Maybe they should sit him, you know, that kind of stuff that we've talked about in the past. Right. I will say it was a very exciting and scintillating game. It was tied up at 78 at the half, and both teams were shooting the lights out. Sixers were 57% from the field, 48% from three. Denver, 51%, 41% from three. And I got to say, if this is an NBA Finals matchup preview, I'm all for it. Can I order seven games of this right now, NBA? Can I? Can we just order this, Dave? No, we can't because... Damn it. <laughs> uh, first of all, let me just say, I agree with you. Joel got the better of him, and he has in the past. I think he did last year too, right? And it doesn't really matter. Cause... Yeah, we're not, we're not talking about things that happened last year. We're not talking about that. Yeah, you could win the head-to-head. You can look <laughs> like... You can look like the better player on a given night at home. And I do think there's less discussed about the altitude advantage in Denver, especially in a four-game series. You know, Miami was up 3-0 on Boston. Had they closed that series out, had Josh Hart, you know, not kind of swept the leg on Jimmy Butler, (laughs) how, how differently might that series have looked? Or what if it was just simply played on a neutral terrain? How much is... 
Denver benefited by what Spike Essing calls the best home court in sports? And that's that's a fair question to ask. I do think it's really hard for a lot of guys to acclimate to the altitude. All that said, I'm with you. Joel got the better of him, but Jokic is still should still be considered the better player because he's better. <laughs> and he's out, he's out there all the time in the playoffs. And Joel's awesome and he might be he might be better when both healthy, but that's a big problem for him. He can't really do it. Um so with all that in mind, can we pencil him in for the finals? I would love it. But Boston and Milwaukee and Miami should probably be considered better than the Sixers, no matter what the records say. This is something that really uh got pointed out to me, especially at halftime and then looking at the box score and everything. And I'm wondering if we have kind of a problem looming, if this is just continuing. But Jokic finished with 25 points and 19 rebounds. 11 of those rebounds were offensive. And I'm listening to Stan Van Gundy and Shaquille O'Neal on the, in the halftime subject, show. Why would you subject yourself to that? Because I think he was making a good point for once. Like, listen, the six. Oh, but were- did you hear the in-game commentary in terms of like running Brett and Stan out of town? And listen, Brett, I might give Brett. I might give him. Listen, Brett, they, ran, they ran out of town. Listen, I will fully admit that Stan Van Gundy is very out of pocket sometimes <laughs> when he's talking. But about this right here, th- this X and O strategy, I was okay, just like, okay. ah, that's kind of interesting. All right. So what what did you fa- find profound? The Sixers were using Tobias Harris a lot on Jokic last night. And when shots went up, Harris was not able to effectively box out Jokic, leading to his 11 offensive rebounds, seven in the first half, I believe it was. I don't know if that was by design or if it's something of a larger issue when it comes to rebounding for this team. I just wanted to see what you thought about that, because I thought that was a interesting nugget of X, you know, basketball right there from Stan Van Gundy. I, we don't say it a lot. So when he actually says something profound, it kind of makes you think a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. The, the nuggets absolutely punished them on the offensive glass and had things gone differently. You remember Joel's jumper was absolutely splashing in, in that last enormous win they had last year in game five in Boston. It was wet as the kids say. Right. And when that's happening, which we saw last night, like, I don't know what you can do. And and there were broadcasters saying that, too. Like, if he's hitting that shot with Jokic's arms outstretched, I think Denver lives with that, you know? Oh, absolutely. And Joel getting to the free throw line 15 times and knocking down 12, like, that obviously helps. And he was efficient from three, three, from, three for six. Like I said, the 41 points, the 10 assists, the 10 assists really just made my eyes pop out a little bit because I'm just like, as much as we say about Joel and the turnover problem, like he had 10 assists and three turnovers last night against one of the top three teams in the West. Like that is not something to not bat an eye over. Like that was impressive. And I think he recorded his 10th pretty early on the game and we probably put too much emphasis on double digits you know how like yeah this makes our radar and we talk about it but nine would never yeah he which was, is which i is, think he rec- stupid it's I think ridiculous he recorded his 10th pretty early in that game but to your point 
yes, the Sixers are 19th overall in defensive boards. So if you wanted to point to that as an issue, I would say don't plug it up with a guy who has good counting rebound staff because as we know from Andre Drummond getting a max in Detroit, a guy who can get you 14 rebounds a game doesn't necessarily get your team more rebounds because you need stops. And if that guy can't get you stops, you're not going to get any misses. It's kind of you a know? problem. <laughs> so so you got to get, like, if you had Dorian Finney-Smith, your rebounding rate would go up because he can just stay in front of his man and make you pass to someone else. We talk about Tyrese Maxey a lot also on this podcast. Maxey had another really good game, 25 points, 9 assists. What stood out to me was the damn near 43 minutes. And I got to say, this is when you have Pat Bev on the bench, as well as Danwell House. And I do we need to, and we'll talk about this in the second half when we talk about Siakam and what the Sixers are really searching for now that there's another prime trade candidate off the board. Should the Sixers be thinking about more of a backup guard, like another backup guard? Because Furkan's not getting any minutes, and Terquavion Smith isn't getting any minutes either. Yeah, I've heard those reports that they're looking for another backup guard, and we've heard guys like Tyus Jones shot down, right? Like, I think it was Mr. Fisher at Yahoo Sports who said he's probably not a prime candidate for them. Some fans want DeLon Wright. The names that I've heard bandied about on this subject personally, none of them are needle movers unless you're making a bigger trade too, right? Yeah. So I'm just like, I mean, all right, if he's free, but who's going to be free? No one's going to be free. So if you only have two or three picks, a swap and seconds to offer, you're probably not going to get anyone who's going to help you who's going to make you and I think, all right, now they can be Boston if Boston was healthy. So I'd probably stay away from those smaller moves if that's all they were going to do and look towards the summer when I can make a big bundle and splash trade. Um, Go ahead. Do we have any idea what the buyout market might be for guards yet? Do we have any clue? Yeah, we were talking about on our Slack channel today, If what if Gordon Hayward would buy out? He'd kind of be a home run, like, Obviously, you wouldn't trade. You wouldn't want to match thirty-one million dollars for a salary because that would cost you guys like Morris, who played well last game, right? Yeah. Offensively, and Covington. And that's two guys for one guy that you don't even know will be healthy for the playoffs. Because um, if you trade for Gordon Hayward, you certainly couldn't expect him to play basketball. If Patty um, Mills is a buyout option, that's something. Uh, I guess it's something, but like. Yeah, again, if he's free, yeah. If you can just sign him and then cut someone, who are you cutting here? Kenny Lofton? Um, I think for Patty Mills, I might I don't know what's what's KJ Martin really doing? Like he's a young piece, but like is anybody really gonna want him? And maybe, maybe I'm just maybe we're just blowing this too much out of proportion because the Sixers were without Jaden Springer and DeAnthony Melton last night or on Tuesday night. So maybe no this Melton, is just... no Covington, no Springer. So that's a lot of defense that's just off the court, and that's... and they won, and that and you saw that. Like, what was the score at the half? Like... It was tied to seventy eight at the half. 
<laughs> yeah, so uh, guys like Melton, Covington, and Springer when healthy would have at least helped them in that regard, but maybe they wouldn't have scored quite as much. The second half was a little bit more defensive. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think I agree with you in terms of what you'd be looking for. Uh, is not giving you much. Like you said, he's expiring, and he seems like the perfect throwing candidate. He's requested a trade at least once. At least twice, twice that I remember. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I think making it very uncomfortable to live here on a, a Corkmaz Island. It's it's been very uncomfortable the last couple of seasons. I'll say this: anytime I've ever asked in our Liberty Bowl or Slack chat, can we afford this player and tagged Brian Saporek, who's our resident cap whiz, he's <laughs> always he's always flung Corkmaz into the deal. So I'm always like, all right, I guess I guess his days could easily be numbered here. The same way you and I felt about Matisse twelve months ago, right? Absolutely. Let's step back for a second, take a quick break, and then I also want to talk about Siakam going to mm. the Indiana Pacers mm. and what that means for the Sixers, as well as, you know, a, more conversations came up at the end of the game, how, you know, again, Shaquille O'Neal is just like, okay, you got Embiid, you got Maxi, but come playoff time, Tobias, whatever your season average is, I need that plus six. So we'll get into that as well when we come back. It is the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It is the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. We talked about the Sixers' win against the Nuggets at the crib. And we, now... did, we didn't really sing their praises, though. I mean, we we did, kind of. We, we I said... feel like we were a little negative compared to the game they won and after this pot you know we're, we're we're sorry like i we try to give the sixers their flowers as much as we can on this podcast and okay. on this website altogether all right but let's well then let me just start we're there. big picture guys that's all we can let's, we can accept it let's just start there tobias harris had another really cons- a really good game against the nuggets 24 points five rebounds four assists shot two four from three eight to ten from the field Game Tobias, high plus 13. Game high plus 13. Tobias in the month of January, 200 minutes played, averaging 21 points a game, six rebounds, three assists, shooting 46% from three. Clearly his best month of the season so far. I get it. Small sample size, whatnot, what have you. 
at the end of the broadcast during the post game, one Shaquille O'Neal hinted, okay, the Sixers, when talking about the Sixers maybe running to the finals with Joel, how he's playing, and Maxie, how he's playing, Shaq brought up Tobias Harris and said, listen, Embiid is your clear number one. Maxi is, is he a fringe number two or is he number two at this point? Uh, fringe. All right, so he's fringe number two. Yeah, and then if you to- look at if you look at some of the number twos that have won the title over the last few years, guys like Jamal Murray, right? Uh, I, I would Pete agree. Clay, Pete Clay Thompson, Kyrie Irving, you know, fringe. And then Tobias has to be that solid number three, and he bre- he brought up that's the not, that's not going to happen. He brought up the adjective consistent with Tobias, which we know very well here in Philly. He also said, whatever Tobias averages in the season, I need that plus six in the playoffs. So that would be about 24 in the playoffs, which I, which Tobias has never done. His highest average is about 22, and that was three se- two Don't, seasons, two seasons ago. Yeah, let's not give Shaq much airtime here. I, I, Tobias I do, is not going to be your number three. I do kind of agree with him that if Tobias is not that number three, then you got to go out and get that number three. And with Toronto acquiring Pascal Siakam, a name that we brought up at least twice already. Indiana Pacers get Siakam for Bruce Brown, Jordan Nawara, and three first-round picks. Like, the the list of possible true number twos or number threes is kind of dwindling now. So what what's to be done? Like, are we just doomed to another... Tobias flame out in the playoffs or is is there yeah. somebody that can move the needle here yeah you're doomed to another Tobias Harris flame out in the playoffs if you I, had Max Jimmy Butler he would have been the ideal number four but they you didn't keep you keep you gotta let the Jimmy Butler <laughs> thing go Dave you okay, gotta let no, that go no no I, I I think that they would have to find someone who could at least alternate with Tobias so if Tobias has it going he's your number three you know, like when you watched Denver play last year, you knew Jokic was the one, two, and three. You knew Jokic was, you knew Murray was a true number two. But and then, then like, on some and, level, Michael Porter Jr. was three, depending on what kind of night he was having. Yeah, exactly. Michael Porter Jr. makes a max contract, so in terms of salary cap comps, you know, he's your Tobias, I guess. And maybe most of us listening would trade Tobias for MPJ. Not everyone, but on I those would for nights, the ceiling. Yeah, but on those nights where he didn't have it, Aaron Gordon, who made $22 million last year, was really, really good. So the Sixers don't have that fourth guy who makes that much money and is that good, you know? So you need, you need Tobias to be at least as good as MPJ, and then you need someone else to be really, really good, or vice versa. So... If if you can't trade for someone better than Tyrese Maxey, I think Mark Stein was like hinting at or intimating that the Sixers will be one of the teams interested in a guy like Paul George. And so everything you talk about in terms of trade at the deadline or in the offseason? Offseason. Oh, I was about to say they're not they're not giving up Paul George in the in the in, at the trade. No, deadline. they're 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 gunning for the for the two seed in the West. So yeah, they're not uh they're not even on the radar for a trade. But if they were to randomly lose in the first round or flame out in the second round, 
is there any chance he'd get a wandering eye and Steve Ballmer wouldn't give him a fifth year? Probably not high enough for you if you were Daryl Morey to say, I can do better this summer. And if that's how you feel, if you don't think there's a very good probability you could do better this summer, it makes sense now to go for names that we've been talking about. DeJounte Murray, Bogdan Bogdanovich, you know, uh, I am kind of watching. I am kind of watching the Brooklyn situation because they're currently tenth in the Eastern Conference. They're playing candidate, but they've lost three straight as of at the time of the recording of this podcast. And if they keep falling, I'm just gonna be like, "Yo, Brooklyn, Michael Bridges, what it'll ta- what will it take?" Well, you're definitely not getting Mikael Bridges. But if they did spiral. Would you be open to a combo platter of Dorian Finney-Smith and O'Neal? I'm not against that. Because if you did, it's possible that you could flip those if you needed salary cap space in a pinch. Maybe maybe they wouldn't lose so much value, you know? Um, I'm now kind of no, talking Sixers, my... I'm now kind of talking my... If the just hit the market, the Sixers obviously couldn't hit couldn't match anyone who else wanted him. You know, they've already turned down like four first rounders for that boy. So he's not. I'm also kind of now talking myself into a marketing trade, but I have my concerns because he's been able to like freeform it in Utah. Like what's he going to be if he's really in the thick of like an NBA finals run? Also, you'd have to deal with Danny Ainge who would probably charge you far more than the Sixers have. And he, he would take at least every asset you have, if you're not including Maxine and Bede. And you still may not have enough if there was another viable suitor out there. There are teams with better trade packages than the Sixers. I believe and four first-rounders is the asking price, I think. Oh, yeah. So we don't have that until summer. <laughs> and if you wanted to... And like you like you said, even if they magically had him, does that necessarily put you over the top? I mean, Maury talks about having two-way players. What do you think of his lateral agility to stop a quick player like a Jalen Brown? Uh, so, so where are we then? Donovan Mitchell again? No, you're not getting Donovan Mitchell because the Cavs are pretty good. They've won a bunch of games in a row. Mitchell's playing like a potential all-NBA player again. And if he hit the market come the summer, you got those CAA connections in New York. He's from there. You're probably going to get outbid for a guy like that. He, he's he been connected with Miami. Why wouldn't you want to live in South Beach and get those state luxury tax benefits? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, so I think I think – All signs keep bringing you back to go for the DeJounte Murray Bogdanovich double. Maybe go for the Levine Caruso double. If either of those open up, you'd have to think more. would be pretty tempted. There was news today that like the Bulls are thinking of offloading Levine's contract. And he's a pretty darn good fit with Joel. If you're having Caruso there also. Um, I can live with Levine if Caruso comes in the deal. Yeah, I think a lot of fans could live with it. And what you're now looking at as an opportunity cost is the unknown of what the summer could bring when you have more than potentially one max plus five picks to work with. But if you sign someone to a max or if you sign two role players to a max, 
and now you want to attach assets to a guy like Melton, maybe? I, I don't know. You know, a yeah, cheaper guy. It's, it's rough. There's not a you know, there's not the salary matching myriad of possibilities that we're talking about if you were another team who had a whole bunch of guys that were paid fifteen million dollars. Which brings us to that conversation. Do you want the third star? Do you want the two stars in depth? What's your model? The new apron, two apron, you know, all that stuff. So let's come let's come back to a name that we talked about in the first portion of this segment, and that's Gordon Hayward. If he's a buyout candidate and he's available, I, I know he's got the left calf strain and he's going to be reevaluated in two weeks. Famous last words. But mm-hmm. Hayward as a buyout candidate, just as bench depth, another another quote unquote scorer clips about 37% from three, just to have another rotation piece at the wing position. That could it's not gonna it's not gonna move the needle, but I'm not but it's not gonna not help. Yeah, I mean if he's a bio candidate and you can outbid the the markets that those bio top bio candidates tend to go to, of course you take them. And with the rotation the way it is, Josh Greve wrote a nice piece today about the rotation trust level of some of these players. And I gotta say. Uh, for a lot of these guys, my trust is somewhere between meh and a lot. Like Ubre, I trust. Uh, Pat Bev, I trust. Mo Bamba, I trust in certain situations. Like if Joel needs a breather, if Joel's out and Paul Reed needs a breather, <laughs> Paul Reed, I trust. Marcus Morris, I'm I'm working there. Like the first choice is little to none. Like I'm between meh and little to none with Marcus Morris. I definitely don't trust him a lot. I think I, he's I think he's helped win them a couple games so far with his like ability to hit tough shots. You know, the four point play, the big three the other a couple weeks ago. I think he's got some uh some dog in him, like people always say. The four point uh, play at Houston and he had one against Denver too. Yeah, and if if you were to trade Tobias Harris, let's just say magically Harris got moved. You know, they sell high to some team who said, wow, Harris is playing so well, especially when Embiid is out. Let's use him like that. They're looking at just his January stats, and they're just like, yeah, we got to have that guy. Yeah, let's say if you wanted Murray Bogdanovich from Atlanta and you had to use Harris in your picks, in that instance, then a guy like Marcus Morris is your arbitrage Toby. And now he's playing that four. Guys behind him that could back him up are Batum, who probably play alongside him a lot, but you could also alternate. Shout out the theory of Horford backing up Embiid, but also playing alongside him. <laughs> yeah, um, but, but, have, but Batum has been a lot more useful than Al Horford ever was. You'd have... Covington behind him is healthy. I don't know what's going on there. He's been out for a while. Don't feel like anyone is certain what's, you know, what is it, Niswan? Uh, he was ill. And then you have Paul Reed who could probably play some four in a pinch if you had to. So if, if you had to move Toby, do you feel like Marcus Morris could give you like a Toby light version so that it's worth trading Toby for a guy like DeJounte Murray? I think so because uh, Maxi Murray backcourt, um, that's something that needs to be reckoned with come playoff time with Embiid and 
whoever on the wing as the three. And then, like you said, Marcus Morris, like that's that's something that's something to play with. Then having Pat Bev, Melton, Batum, uh, Paul Reed all on the bench, like that's a solid nine man rotation come playoff time. Yeah, it's solid. It wouldn't make me too scared if I were a Celtics fan. I would just be rooting for our own team's health. If the Sixers <laughs> traded for Murray and Bogdanovich, I guess I'd want to see how it looked. Um, but if they go for this, just like do a very, very small thing and then hope for the summer, I'd be thrilled if I were New York, if I were Boston, if I were Milwaukee. But then I would be, I would be scared Sless after seeing what Daryl Morey can do with cap space and assets. You you would be scared as the summer began, more scared than you would be right now for sure. On the other hand, as Kawhi Leonard signs his extension, that makes it a far more likely Paul George and and James Harden stick around in L.A. You you know you wouldn't be terrified if the Sixers cut a whole bunch of good players to drop a bag on Clay Thompson. Like that wouldn't scare you if you were Boston. So I, I what be, do you, I would be very weary about your faith in the Clippers. Like I, I mean, without a long extended playoff run, like if Paul George, he has a player option this summer. Yeah. But you don't have to have faith in them. Kawhi's extended. So you would have to have Paul George, Paul George would have to commit. I'm not fully convinced he would do that. Yeah, he might sign an extension, and he might decide, you know what, if I don't sign an extension, I can get a max. I can make $75 million more. Both both of those scenarios lead you to the Sixers don't get Paul George, assuming he would even want to leave his hometown in L.A. Right. So Kawhi Leonard's extension, as Brian Pork wrote about, you know, it, it makes it a little bit dicier to be a summer cap space dreamer. Hey, we we can we can dream. We can dream on this podcast. We can dream, but we need to come up with what we would should do right now if we were in Maury's office. So I, I don't know if anybody do you wants want to dream answer. or do you want to go for it? I'm on I think I'm on team dream a little bit, especially with the increased number of assets, like the additional uh draft picks and cap space. Yeah. I think yeah. going for it right now might be a little it might be a little foolish because even with a DeJounte Murray trade, even with a Zach Levine trade, I'm not thoroughly, thoroughly convinced they can beat Milwaukee or Boston four out of seven. No, you should not be. I wouldn't be either. But do you feel like that makes you better than now? And if the alternative is something that you have no idea what might present, you know, like if I told you the summer comes, PG's already extended, Harden's off the board, and now you're looking at guys like Detroit's Bogdanovich, you know, like it starts to get unsexy pretty quickly when you look at that next tier below the top names. If we're going for it right now, then I'm calling Portland. Who do you want? I'm calling Portland and I'm saying, yo, Jeremy Grant, what do you what do you need for him? What do you need for him? But who are you trading for him? Well, it would have to be Tobias for salary cap, right? Because I have to I have to pull up how much Jeremy Grant's contract. I don't 
He's like he's like one of those close to mask guys. I think not totally. What, what percent better than Tobias do you think he is? I think he's younger, and I think he helps a little bit better defensively. A little bit, but all in all, what percent better than Tobias would you calculate? Because <sighs> if you're trading for him, you're you're taking a lot of those unknown dream scenarios off the board for us. True. And then you're rolling into the next three seasons plus a player option with Embiid, Jeremy Grant, and Maxi as your three. Yeah, I mean, if he continues to hit 41% from three and another guy on Portland who's shooting well from three is Matisse Thibel, but then you'd have to ask yourself, like, in a high-pressure situation, are they going to do similar? I, I don't know. And I don't know that Grant is so much, you know, there are probably experts who could tell me the answer to this, but how much better is Grant than Tobias? I was asking myself how much better Siakam is than Tobias when I was trying yeah, to Yeah, we were doing that crazy. last week. We were doing right. that last week. What percent better is Siakam than Tobias? And obviously it's significant, but is it significant enough to go for? And you couldn't have compete with that three picks and Bruce Brown offer from Indiana. If you're in if you're Indiana, you definitely make that trade a thousand percent. If you're Philly, you're just like, all right, we're probably definitely gonna have to give up Tobias as salary. So, like, what exactly are we getting for Siakam? And who's to say that Siakam resigns in Indiana? So it's like, okay, maybe we can get Siakam and be able to move some things around cap wise. I I'm like not... I like Embiid Siakam Maxi more than like like you were saying Siakam Grant or Embiid Grant Maxi or Embiid whatever version of Clay Thompson you're getting I, I like I like that a little bit more like sure you're gonna have to pay Siakam but we were probably planning to do that anyway if we traded for him Yeah I did too I said on our last pod that among the names like Murray. Levine, I think Siakam is not the best fit, but the but the significantly better enough player to go for, and it would be hard to outbid Indiana, and that that proved to be fair. Damn um, you, Indiana! Yeah, I I don't know that I would have done it if Indiana. I guess we have to wait and see what the protections are in those picks because I'm not sure that it makes sense for them until I can evaluate everything, but. <laughs> is there any chance that the Sixers could, if it was hard to acquire a guy like Bruce Brown in Indiana, imagine how hard that'll be now that he's in Toronto. I guess oh, that, man. that dream has now died too, right? More than likely, depending on if the Raptors are still fringe trying to go to the playoffs as like the play in probably, but we, we won't really know until the trade deadline. Right. Which, which is like, couple of weeks from now yeah i i kind of agree with what i've been reading like it's gonna be a dry trade deadline like those so? like the last 48 hours up until the deadline i think it's gonna be like quiet and dry not a ton of fireworks i don't think so like like the season we were thinking about uh maybe we could get bell and ellie on the buyout march bell and ellie has in my eyes he's been a sixer for like five years we just haven't been able to sign him yeah 
But yeah, Bellinelli, Hayward, I'm I'm down with either or on the buyout market. You want Bellinelli in the buyout market this year? I I think so. It's like he he does one he does one thing pretty well. Like he shoots he shoots well. That's that's Wait, all is I he can still say. In the NBA, Gallinari, Bellinelli. Oh Bellinelli. Oh Bellinelli. No 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 no. We're I, I'm okay, good off that. About Gallinari now. I'm I'm okay. good off that. I'm I'm good off I'm good off of Marco Bellinelli. We're we're fine there. <laughs> Gallinari for sure though. I would I would definitely say him in the buyout market. Okay. Along with, you know, Patty Mills if he's there for guard depth if we need it. Yeah, I mean Mills is a lights out shooter. I don't know what else he brings these days, probably nothing, but lights out uh, shooting some... is kind of all we've kind of really need from that position. Yeah, it might help you win a regular season game or three. Who knows? Yeah. Well, we'll just see how everything plays out leading to and up until the deadline. Sixers play tomorrow night, Friday, at Orlando. Uh, another sneaky, where the hell did this team come from team? Like, Orlando's eighth in the conference. I'm just like, all right, on the road in Orlando, sure, we got the day off, but it's it's not a free win anymore. It's going to be fun, fun stuff, fun times. As always, listen, subscribe to the podcast network. You can find this podcast. You can find That's Ball, folks. You can also list, read on the website, libertyballers.com. I am on X at Adil B. Royster. David is at Dave Early. Follow Liberty Ballers at Liberty underscore Ballers. Dave, talk to you next week. Let's keep these wins rolling. We've won three straight. And yeah, game and a half from the two seed, four and a half out of the out of the top spot. We're like right there. We're right there. We're right there. And can I say one more thing? Yes. I, I think I came across as a DeJounte Murray truther on this. A little bit. But I want to just add that the Hawks have been worse since they got him, despite not giving up almost anything interesting to get him. And the team is looking to move on a year and a half later, even though they won't return anywhere close to what they gave up. And do I believe in a 39-game sample of better shooting? Not really, you know, after a whole career. So let me just pour a little cold water on my own horn that I tooted on him. (laughs) <laughs> and let's not let me not even say anything about hey um if Atlanta's shutting everything down uh is Trey is Trey Young going to be a hawk next season? Yeah, that would be a lot more interesting. You know, <laughs> Max Maxi at the 2 and have the smallest backcourt in the league, but nobody could ever ever stop you. That would be very interesting. Oh my sure. god, can you imagine the Trey Young Joel Embiid pick and roll? Oh my god. Okay, we I I need to go before I, Yeah, I need to splash Not really. cold I need to splash cold water on myself after that statement. We're going to go. <laughs> We're going to get out of here. I'm we'll talk to everybody next week. Go Sixers as always. Talk to everybody next week.